Uh, we, have a, we have a painting in our house these days, and the painting has a few words on it that have become pretty important to us. And that painting that we uh, have in our living room says this. It says, we can do hard things. And uh, of course, that is an important thing to remember in all life. And so as I listen to Kyle talk to the children and think about our t today's text and think about this idea of what it means to become a new creation, it is doing the hard things that shapes and transforms us and, and creates something new within us. So as we come across each of these stories, I want to have in the back of our minds, how is this lesson, how is this story, how does this narrative or parable reshape and tend to change us? How does it help us to do hard things? And Peter definitely does a hard thing in our story today. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and gone ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why do you doubt? When he got into the boats, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be God. Many of us, perhaps most of us, maybe all of us, have probably been in a I dare you or you go first moment. Usually this is a playful moment. I dare you to eat this or I dare you to go first and you dare someone to do something that others might be afraid to do or find hard to do. Sometimes the stakes can be higher, dangerous even, if we urge others to try something that we may know they might not need to or something that comes with a level of risk. Now these moments have a purpose. They're to prove to one another our courage and our mettle that we can do the thing that's being asked, the thing that everyone else might be afraid to do. If you accept the challenge and fail, well, at least you tried, but you still might be considered weak. If you reject the challenge altogether, you're definitely considered weak and but if you succeed, you might be considered stronger. Well, I share that because I wonder if we don't come to this story in Matthew a bit like a dare or, or you go first, as in I dare you to be as faithful as Peter was. I dare you to do what Peter did when he tried to walk on the water. When no one else would, he would do this. Don't be like those disciples hanging back there in the boat. Because if you do, you're weak and faithless. But are we supposed to celebrate 
Peter's faithfulness by stepping out on the water? Are we supposed to doubt his faith, as it seems Jesus might have, because he sank in the water? How do we celebrate his act or understand it? Are we to understand the disciples as less than faithful or too fearful because they did not have the courage to do what Peter did? Well, before we use this story to answer such questions, maybe we need to ask if that's why it's here in the first place. Is this story here so that you and I might measure our faith against that of Peter or other Christians in the world? Are we more faithful because we take the bigger chances or, or test ourselves more than others? I question this. And I want to consider the notion that today there is a much greater truth here than whether we are testing or challenging each other's faithfulness. I have heard and I have had many ideas about what this story really means. Yet when I look at them all and I follow my own theology out to its ends, it's often that I conclude that at the end these lead to some very contradictory truths. And here's what I mean. Sometimes I read this story and I say, well, we all need to be like Peter. And we need to be more comfortable stepping out in faith and taking good choices, good chances. And there's a lot of truth in that. So maybe this story is here to tell us that we must be like Peter who has more faith because he at least tried and succeeded for a moment to walk on water. Maybe Jesus is questioning his faith, not his faith so much, but the faith of the 11 others who did not step out. Sure, he failed after a short success, but he took the risk and so should we. There's a lot of truth in that. But is it always true? Is it always true that we need to get out of the boat and put ourselves at risk? Not always. In fact, those who sail boats will tell you that if you're in the storm at sea, you don't jump off the boat. You batten down the hatches. And you keep the water that's uh, coming to the boat from getting inside and sinking the boat. And this reminds me that Jesus once spent 40 days in the wilderness. And while he was there, he came across the devil who tempted him. And the devil tempted Jesus to put God to have Jesus put God to the test by throwing himself off a cliff to see if God's promises that he would protect him would still be true, putting himself at risk in order to test God. But Jesus says we shouldn't tempt God that way. And he holds back. In other words, it seems as though even Jesus stays in the boat sometimes. Well, other times I think to myself, well, the point of the story here is about Peter's lack of faith because he trusted Jesus too little. And there's a lot of truth in that too. We must stay focused on Christ. So the story is here to tell us that we're supposed to trust that we will do great things, hard things, but only if we keep our eyes on Christ. And if we have enough faith, and if we focus on Christ, we can even walk on water. Now, this can be a great lesson 
And if we never take these chances, if we don't look to Jesus, we will never get out of our comfort zones and we'll never do anything new and we will get stuck from time to time and we will fail to do great things. Yet, how many of us have ever felt water, water turn solid under our feet? Have you ever tried to walk on water? And if you did, tell me how, tell me how that went for you. I've never been able to multiply bread like Jesus. I've never laid hands on someone and healed them instantly like Jesus. Oh, how I've wanted to before. I've never turned a staff into a snake like Moses. I've not done many of the amazing things we read of in the scripture. So does that mean that, well, I'm a person without faith? Some, in fact, may say so. Yet there were times when Jesus appeared on the scene and people begged him to perform amazing things. Things as amazing as walking on water. And in those cases, in many cases, Jesus refused. He refused because he knew that he was more than a miracle worker. He came into the world with a greater purpose than wowing the crowds. And sometimes he chose humility over grandeur because it revealed his greater purpose. Okay, so maybe this story then is really about Jesus calming the storm. There's an uncertainty there. It's here to teach us that regardless of what we think about faith of Peter or the disciples or our own or each other's, that Jesus will come to our rescue and he will calm every storm that we face. Jesus will keep us safe from harm and sickness and and struggle. Jesus is the embodiment of Psalm 60, 46, verse 1, which says, God is our refuge and our strength. Just as God freed Israel from Pharaoh, just as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, if we believe, Jesus will do the same for us. But then I run into another problem. God in Christ does not always calm my storms. Remember, in this story, the storms began raging in the evening, the night before. And Jesus didn't bother to make his way to the boat until almost daylight. Sickness, broken relationships, disasters and tragedies, they are part of the human and the Christian experience. And most frustrating for us is when this is true for those who are good and faithful people and they experience the worst the world can throw at us. Sometimes as hard as we might pray, even if we have faith ten times the size of a mustard seed, which still isn't very big, we still endure hard days, difficult seasons, and generations of people can endure as well. Jesus even tells us the sacrifice comes with following him. In Matthew's gospel, he says to us, whoever takes, wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Trying to find a solid truth here can be as difficult as walking on water. There seems to be few definitive truths here that we can hold firmly to. For every truth we find in this story and in the scriptures at times, we can also, if we look hard enough, find an opposite truth. And this is no small matter. We need to be able to lean on God, 
the scriptures in faith. And we need to know that in our uncertain world, there are solid truths that we can find peace and solace and, and firm footing. We do, what do we do then? When Jesus in one place steps out in faith, but in another holds back. What do we do with Jesus when he tells us to trust that he will keep us safe and no harm will come, but then invites us to bear a cross? Maybe, though, perhaps, perhaps it is our desire for definitive truths that keep us from seeing what we need to see in such a story. Here's what I do know to be true. Life can be exhausting. Think about these poor disciples. In less than a 24-hour period, they have taken a lot that life can throw at us. It has been a relentless day. In just one day, Jesus and the disciples have had to grieve the horrible death of John the Baptist. They have helped heal and feed over 5,000 people. They are tired. And when they get into the boat and try to give Jesus a peaceful rest, they get caught up in a massive storm in the middle of the night in a small wooden fishing boat in the middle of a massive body of water. Church, we face the storms of life many days. And we are all these days, it seems, trying to make impossible decisions. Every decision has consequences. And we're tempted to throw our hands up in the air and say, why even try? Each day we face the hard truths of discord and disease. We struggle with broken relationships, financial uncertainties, addictions and depression and natural disasters and human suffering. And once more in the midst of all this, most of the time and much of the time, we just want to try to find a regular way of life. So Lord, you will forgive me, I hope. If I feel a little bit of something negative when I hear Jesus criticize Peter for failing to walk on water. In my opinion, he had been through enough. Throw the man a life jacket. Give him a moment to breathe because the water is rising over our heads and we need your help to lift us up again. We need something firm to hold on to because the world is full of uncertainties and we need you, God, to be certain. Thankfully, this day for the disciples does come to an end. And I want to offer that it is in this end that we find the solid truth that we so desperately need today, if not all days. You see, this story ends with Jesus and Peter and all the disciples standing in the same boat together. And what are they doing? They're celebrating. They're celebrating a crucial truth, a firm truth. And the firm truth here is when they got in the boat and the wind ceased, they worshiped him saying, surely you are the son of God. I don't believe that the purpose of this story is to give us some kind of spiritual litmus test of faith. During this day, some hard decisions were made. Some had failed. Some had succeeded. 
Some were more faithful and some were less faithful. But at the end of the day, at the end of the failures and the struggles and the successes and the choices, we can celebrate that Christ was with them through it all. And isn't this why we worship? And it's not a trifling truth either that Christ is with us. Christ is with us as we discern and struggle and overcome. The church is here to be a place of community and support from one another. However, we need to do that and to help each other lean into God's grace and love. What if Peter stepping out was what he needed to do? And what if the disciples standing in the boat was what they needed to do? What if when Jesus questioned Peter's faith, he did so with a light heart and a smile, not the frown that we might want to paint on Jesus' face? I remember teaching my daughter, Haley, how to swim. Now she would cling to me as I carried her out into deeper water, and I would hold her under her arms like this, and I'd let her float along with me, keeping her above the water. And eventually she'd gain confidence and she'd want to try to swim by herself. And she said, let me go, Daddy. I can do this. So I would slowly begin to lower my hands, pull them back. And she would start flailing her arms and kicking her feet like a crazy person. And my hands were always near, but she didn't know that. She'd tread water for a moment or two. But pretty soon, she would start to lose her confidence. Her, her legs and arms would grow tired. And... When her head began to dip below the surface of the water, she would panic a bit. And very quickly, her confidence became anxiety because she could feel herself sinking. She'd raise her voice and she'd say, Daddy, grab me, don't let me go. And if I didn't come quickly enough, she'd swallow water, cough it out, and her eyes would be so wet she couldn't see or breathe in a very uncomfortable moment. I knew she was fine, but she didn't. So I would say, it's okay. I've got you. I won't let you sink any further. Trust me, you're going to be okay. She, her panic would be met with my smile. I smiled because I knew that she was indeed not in any trouble. I knew that I was not going to let her sink too far down, but she had not learned to trust in that yet. So she'd cling even tighter to me in those moments and a in a little while after that, though, her fear returned to laughter. And then she wanted to try it again. She'd repeat this with me over and over again until we finally would get it right. So it is, I believe, in learning to trust in God and in Christ. In every moment we sink or swim, Christ is like that parent who knows he is with us but sees us struggle to believe that this is true at all times. And whether we are flailing around like Peter or sailing like the disciples in the storm, Christ is with us. And I do believe that Jesus smiled at Peter when he said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? I do believe that he's like a parent teaching the child to swim, saying it's okay. Yes, you're going to learn to swim on your own, but trust me, you're going to be okay. I love you, I have you, and I will not lead, let you sink so far as I cannot reach you. You know, walking on water really is something. But the grace of this text is not that Jesus and Peter walked on water. That is amazing. But the truth we can find and we can firmly stand on here is that we are never alone in the storm. 
We always live between what is holy and human. We live between night and day, right choices and wrong choices, the good and the bad, human and divine. We live between our last mistake and our next redemption. We live between life and death. And the greatest truth of all is that God is with us through it all. Storms will come and they will go, but our faith will carry us through. Yes, walking on water really is something, but I have to tell you, I'm more impressed by the single parent who holds a job, raises a child these days, and endures the criticisms that come their way when they're not the perfect parent. Walking on water really is something, but I'm even more inspired by those who face and overcome and choose to live fully in the face of addiction today. Walking on water really is something, but I'm inspired by those who, in spite of their struggles, speak for those who are weak, stand for those who are poor, and continue to exhibit a joy and a faith in God. I remember the day that Haley finally learned to swim by herself, really swimming. So instead of the ongoing struggle of letting go and kicking as hard as she could, one day I said, let's try something different. Let me teach you how to float. So she laid on her back. I put my hands under her back. I said, now take a, a good breath and hold that breath for a moment. And then when she did this and she got used to that, I lowered my hands and she began to float without sinking. So we did this off and on for a few minutes and floating became rather easy. And then I finally said to her, okay, now slowly start kicking your feet. That's when she began to propel herself across the water, all on her own, and it was a peaceful kind of swim. Folks, I cannot know what storms each of you face on your own, but I invite you today to take a deep breath. Be aware that God is with you every step of the way, and because of this, may you swim. May you even swim across the roughest waters of the strongest storms that this life wants to throw at you and in me. Because God is with us, we know we will endure. Thanks be to God. Amen.